welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. I just want to take a moment to uh, welcome everyone that's watching online. We know that we have hundreds of people that watch online, and whether you're using this as a supplement or maybe you're in an area where you have not been able to find a life-giving church, we're glad that you're watching online, and we're glad that all of our campuses are able to take advantage of this technology. And at this campus, can we just welcome everybody that's watching online right now and say thanks for doing that? Yes, we're glad. We are continuing our series, The Artist, and I thought about this. When you look at creation, it just begs, it begs for us to acknowledge that there is an artist, a creator, a God that has created everything we see. And I am amazed when I travel at just the artist, the God, the creator that made everything we see. I am just blown away. When I went to Australia and had the privilege of diving in the Great Barrier Reef and seeing all that was under there. I, I, I just was amazed. I, I couldn't believe all that God created. I couldn't believe. I thought there, the creativity here is incredible. We were there, and how many know that you have to see a kangaroo? If you go all the way to Australia, you got to see a kangaroo. So we saw a kangaroo, and Becca, it was one of her things to see a koala. And so we had to see a koala. And we're just seeing these animals, and we're just blown away with the creation and all that's there. And it was, it was interesting. I didn't know this about koalas, but when they eat eucalyptus leaf, which is like their major diet, it's like a drug to them. Like they are stoned all day long. Did you know that? <laughs> And she's got a picture of this koala, like, yeah, whatever. You know, so. But amazing. It's just amazing creation. When I went to South America and I went to Iguazu Falls, I couldn't believe it. I was blown away. I just was there and was taking it all in and saying, the creator, the artist that did this incredible, you can't even capture it. If you know what I'm talking about, you try to take a picture and you come home and you're like, no, that doesn't do it justice. There's more to it. It was, it was bigger. There was more going on. There was a moment there when I stood and looked at creation. When we were in Asia, and I, we flew over the Himalayas, and I just looked at that. I thought, those mountains are incredible. When we were in Asia, and we went on an elephant ride, probably one of Becca's favorite things to do in her life. No, not true. <laughs> we were on that elephant, though. It was amazing. I'm thinking, this was created. What, what artist did this? This is amazing. When I was in Africa, there were too many things. I was the Maasai Mara and just amazing, just all the creation. And of course, you don't have to travel far. You could just be in the United States. Grand Canyon takes your breath away. First time you see the ocean, incredible. It just blows you away. You see the Rockies. You see the bayou of Louisiana. You see Boundary Water Canoe areas. It's amazing. It's just absolutely amazing. And I'm sure that someday 
I'm going to get to Antarctica. It's on my bucket list. You know, I want to get there. It's the only continent I have left, and I'm a goal setter, and I'm sure that there's going to be something there, like penguins are going to blow my mind. I just know it, you know? And I have this thought, too. When I get to Antarctica, I'm going to preach a sermon because I have actually preached a sermon on every continent. So whoever goes with me to Antarctica, I'm preaching to you, all right? It's just part of my bucket list. But it's just amazing. I mean, really, you, you probably have places that you've seen, things that you've observed that just make you say, the artist, the creator, God, this is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. Think about it. It doesn't even have to be traveling. Just the miracle of birth. The miracle of birth. When I was there, when, when Connor was born and, and, and I almost missed his birth, and I won't explain, it's a long story, but I was a youth pastor and I almost missed the birth of our first child. But when I was there, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I couldn't believe the, the miracle of new birth. And, and without going into all sorts of things, but just the amazing complexity of, of a child being born and the amazing complexity of something like the umbilical cord. The umbilical cord, they've discovered, is a, an amazing invention, an amazing creation that just screams out, an artist, a creator did this, because the umbilical cord prevents the mother's body from attacking the baby because the mother recognizes that this is not me. This is another human being forming there. And yet the umbilical cord prevents the mother's body from attacking this newborn baby. It screams, artist, creator, God. It's incredible. There are so many things that just scream out, artist, creator, God. Think about this, gravity, for instance. Let me illustrate this. Gravity is so perfectly tuned, it begs out that there's an artist, a creator, a God that did this. Because if you were to take a, a tape measure and you were to stretch it across the galaxy, not across the stage, not just the limited feet that I have on this one, if you were to take this and stretch it out in the galaxy, and you were to say from here as we, far as we could see and go and understand, there is a tape measure, and you put where gravity was, and you said, this is the exact spot that gravity needs to be to sustain human life. If you were to move it an inch, not an inch in a 25-foot ruler or tape measure, but an inch in the galaxy, just an inch, human life could not live. Think about that. That begs creator, artist, God. It says something acted on this earth bigger than us. You take where the sun is, and you take the distance that it is from the earth and the ability that we have to have human life. It begs, it says there was an artist, a creator, God. You take the human ear and the fact that it is way beyond what simple evolution would need. We can hear things in beauty and frequencies that if, if our ear just evolved, it, it would need it wouldn't need to be as complex as it is. And yet our ear can hear things and experiencing things. It begs and says there's an artist, there's a creator. All this says there has to be one. And yet society is attacking the artist. I believe it. And the reason that we are talking about these things in this series is because the things of God are under attack. The artist is under attack. And I believe it's not by chance. It's not just an accident that they're under attack. Human life is under attack. That's why our society has embraced abortion. 
because we are made in his image. And so society says we are going to attack the creator by attacking this image and saying it's not a person. It's not made in his image. Society's attacked creation and said, no, it's not creation. It's evolution. And if you dare go out and say, I believe in a creator God artist, society will laugh at you. They will mock you. They will tear you down. Recently, uh, Marco Rubio was asked to comment about creation. Did he believe that it was a literal uh, six days of creation? He said, I'm no scientist. It might have been. I'm not sure if it's an era or days. And they went crazy on him. That's not just by chance. Interestingly, President Obama said the same thing when he was asked years ago. The press was silent about it. Scientific experts attack our children in schools. Teachers will say that it has to be evolution. How dare you believe creation? If you have the boldness to bring up creation, you're mocked, you're shot down. I don't think this is by chance because if you can destroy the artist, if you can destroy creation, if you can say that we happen by chance, then there's no God, there's no creator, there's no right and wrong, there's no morals, there's no plan, there's no purpose, there's no meaning, and everything of faith is just a fairy tale then in their eyes. And they can live any way they want. No wonder they want to attack the creator. And so we have to look at this, and, and as we look at this, I just want to say this, that I'm not an expert, okay? I'm not an expert on defending creation versus evolution. I'm not an expert in this, but I do believe that we serve a God that created this earth. I don't have it all figured out, and there are smarter people than I that are out there that'll debate it, that'll give you great resources, that'll help you with all this, but uh, I'm just giving you what I know about this. But I know this, as followers of Jesus Christ, if we can believe John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him but not perish but have everlasting life, we can believe that our heavenly father sent his son to this earth and he lived, died, rose again from the dead. If we can believe that, it's not a stretch for us to believe in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It's not a stretch. We believe in a supernatural God. Now, it's interesting, the Bible really talks about, like, basically 90% of what's going on is natural, and then there's 10% supernatural. And I can flow with that. I like that. I like that there are natural laws in place, but we serve a God that works within those natural laws that he created, and in 10%, there's the supernatural incredible. I believe that. Now, the world will mock us with smart people, and Richard Dawkins and others that are smart will debate, but I want to tell you this, as Christians, we have really smart people on our side, too. All right? Now, you just, they would say, like, there's nobody that believes that. Yeah, that's false. There's over 600 scientists with PhDs that have said, we just can't buy into this. We can't buy into evolution. We can't buy into the theory that Darwin came up with the origin of species. We just can't buy into it. These are people with PhDs from reputable universities all across the world that are on the side of it. And just because somebody's smarter than you in an argument doesn't mean they're right. Just because they can argue better than you doesn't mean they're right. And I know that sometimes we get into arguments and we need to educate ourselves. Just because we believe what the Bible says doesn't mean that we should just check out, not study, and look into these things and have the ability to defend our faith. So we need to have the ability to defend it. We should have some good arguments to go ahead and present. But sometimes when you're confronted by an atheist or someone that believes in evolution, they may be a better debater than you. They may have their facts because that's all they're living for. And you're like, I'm living for all these other things. And you got your little pet thing here and you're all up on that. 
you know? And you may leave there and you're thinking, man, I wish I was smarter. And then you go to YouTube and then you go and buy the book and read the stuff and you think, I wish I'd have known that a week ago. How many know what I'm talking about? You're like, I wish I would have known that and I would have looked a lot smarter, you know, <laughs> next time. No matter how smart you sound, this is what I wrote down in my journal one day. I said, no matter how smart you sound when you debate me, I still have peace. No matter how much you sneer at me, I live with joy. No matter how much you mock me, I still have a life filled with purpose. No matter if you don't believe, I still love and live for Jesus. And I wrote it down in my journal, really simplistic. And I thought, but I, that's what I know. Sometimes I may lose an argument, but I'm telling you what, what I got inside me, I'm not losing that. And it may sound simplistic, but I found a quote by C.S. Lewis when it came to creation. He was a lot smarter than me. And he said this, I felt it in my bones that this universe does not explain itself. And I thought if he could say that, I could say what I said, all right? God is our creator. He's the artist. He's the one. And if you want to study this, I'm going to give you a couple of resources. Lee Strobel wrote Case for a Creator. And you can find that uh, at YouTube. You can Google Lee Strobel, Case for a Creator. You can watch his videos. You can buy his book. And you could see how an investigator went, who graduated from Yale went and tore it apart and said, the evidence just points to the fact that there's a creator. There's other websites like AnswersInGenesis.org. And there's other resources that are out there. But I'm going to give you a little bit of what I understand and what I know. And the first thing I want to tell you about creation is this, that the book of Genesis is not a science book, okay? It is a theology book. It is telling us about the creator. It is telling us about the artist that made all this. It's trying to help us to come in relationship with him. And it doesn't have all the scientific things broken down for us, but it gives us enough to get started on the path to understand God. It tells us that God created the heavens and the earth. Now, in that, it gives us this basis that we could say, we understand this, and we look at the account of creation, and I'm going to give you a lot of latitude in the account of creation. I don't know. I don't know, and we weren't there. I don't know if it was six literal days that were created, all right? I know that the Hebrew word in Genesis says uh, yom, and that means one day, a 24-hour period. I know that, Okay? but I don't understand how Adam could name all the animals in one day, okay? So I'm trying to fathom that. So I'm looking at that like it could have been a literal 24-hour period, and maybe because he didn't have a wife and kids, he worked all day, and he named them all. You know, I don't know, all right? But let me give you some latitude. It may have been that there were six eras. We don't know for sure. Okay, it may have been that, that in the first day, and that was a thousand years, a day is as a thousand years. Again, I understand the word yam means a literal day, but I understand that also as God is inspiring uh, Moses as he's writing Genesis, I don't know if he fully could understand, okay, four billion years ago, and he's like, okay, hold on, how many is a billion, God? You know, so I, I understand that within the knowledge that he had in that moment, God may have been speaking to him in a language that he understood, and God was saying, it's really not that important. The important thing is, I existed before everything else, and in the beginning, God created everything, all right? And so I understand that. And maybe within the limited knowledge that he had, Moses was able to write these things down. You may believe that in a young earth, you may believe in an old earth, you may uh, believe that there is a gap theory, you may believe pre-Adamite theory. I've got room for all that, okay? Pre-Adamite means in this gap theory, in the beginning, in Genesis 1.1, it says, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
And then verse two, it says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And there's a couple things, pre-Adamite theory or gap theory. And it says right there between one and two, there was a lot that went on that God just didn't communicate to us. There was a lot there, and there was a whole bunch going on, and it may have been billions of years that God created the earth, and it was without form and void, and then all of a sudden God's like, this is what I want now, and now here I'm going to start creation, okay? So I've got room for all that. I've got room for that, but it starts with God. It starts with God. God created the heavens and the earth. And whatever it is, it's the creator is the doctrine that we have that God created. It didn't happen. We didn't come from mud. We didn't come from gas. We didn't come from a little cell that crept out of the ocean, which we don't even know where that cell came from. We believe God created this, that God created mankind. Now, ever since uh, Charles Darwin came up with the origin of species, creation has been under attack. Many people believe creation, it was the predominant thing. Then Charles Darwin comes on the scene and he says, you know, I don't know, it looks like everything came from one cell and it looks like this. And he said, if that could be disproved, my whole theory is gone. And, but ever since then, it's been under attack. And they've been saying that, you know, we came from goo and we did this, then we crept up and did that and we evolved over time. And I, I believe that thing is filled with holes, that theory. But still, scientists press it, teachers press it, and they say, to not believe this, you would be just ridiculous. They would laugh you out of the room. And I believe this. I believe it's true. Mutations happen. Mutations happen. Things will adapt to their surrounding. But just because a horse gets bigger, stronger, faster, doesn't make it turn into a dog. And please hear me. Dogs never turn into cats, nor would they ever want to, just to make sure, all right? Mutations happen, okay? But a horse stays a horse. A stronger horse, they may be all brown horses, but they are still horses. They don't change species, and we don't observe anything changing species. And just because a thing can mutate and adapt shows that it's adaptable, but it doesn't show evolution. Now, there are problems for the evolutionist, There's always been a group of notable science against Darwinism and evolution. The fossil records refute it. And the more we study and the more we find fossils, the more technology helps us to find fossils, the more we realize that the missing link is still missing. It's still missing. And even the fossils that they find are fully developed. It's as if the earth was four billion years old and all of a sudden everything that was created was created fully uh, aware, fully alive, fully in need of everything it needed, not over a time where it just kind of adapted, but it was created. That's what the fossils say. So it's a problem for evolution. Advanced computers, our supercomputers, are tearing down the arguments of evolution because as the advanced computers are forced to plug in mathematical possibilities of Darwinism, it comes down to almost zero. And it's like infinity times zero still comes out to be zero. And so uh, the advanced computers are things that are causing really smart people to step back and say, okay, maybe we've got something wrong with our theory of evolution that they proclaim as fact. The origin of life from dead matter still cannot be explained. And the unexplained first cause, where did everything come from? Where did everything come from? We'll look at that in a little bit. One more thing about Charles Darwin. 
His understanding of the world when he lived was so limited. Take, for instance, the cell. And you have, you know, over a trillion cells. I believe the, the amount is 100 trillion cells in your body. Now, in each cell is six feet of DNA data, each cell of 100 trillion. And if you take Charles Darwin, his understanding of what a cell was in his day and age, he had no clue about DNA. He had no clue about all the complexities of it. To compare what we know about cells and what he did, his would be like understanding an automobile, a Buick. Our understanding of the cell is like understanding a galaxy. Okay, so the whole world has said, you know, we're going to base everything on this little understanding way back then, even though everything we understand now says that's wrong. They're still holding on to it. Why? Because you can't have an artist. You can't have a creator. You can't have God, because if you have him, then there's morals, then there's a lawgiver, then we've got to line up our lives, and so they've got to attack the artist. Things have changed, and technology tells us that a life in the womb is life. Interestingly enough, it's starting to turn the tide as people are seeing technology and they're realizing that's a baby. Technology is starting to turn the tide and show us, wait a minute, this theory is filled with holes. And even though somebody can be a better arguer, better uh, apologist than you, they can fight better than you, it doesn't mean they're right. Genesis points us toward God. And as we read the opening pages of Genesis, we see the following aspects of God. Let me read this list to you. God is eternal and exists uh, before all of creation which he made. God is independent while the rest of creation is dependent upon him. God is living and life comes solely from him. God is so powerful that he can make creation out of nothing by himself. God is beautiful and all creation reflects his glory. God is orderly and his creation reflects his order and remains orderly until sin brings chaos. God is the creator above all else that exists is his creation. God is sovereign and can do exactly as he pleases. God is a prophet who brings creation into existence by the sheer power of his word and perhaps a poet who sings creation into existence. God is good as everything he makes he declares good. God is personal and because we are made by him we have personhood which would not otherwise be possible had we evolved from impersonal matter. God is gracious as he blesses his creation, including the man and woman. God is a king who rules in dominion over all creation. We see this from the word of God. We see this. Now, a couple of things that we can see from the Bible that the Bible proclaims about creation. First is this, that God created the universe out of nothing. There was nothing here, and God created it. Psalm 33, 6 and 9 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all their hosts by the breath of his mouth. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood forth. Psalms 90, verse 2 says this, Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. It's saying he created it. He created it out of nothing. There was nothing here. And it says that the universe has a beginning and the galaxies are expanding and the galaxy is moving, the universe is moving away, which says there was a beginning, there was something that happened and God created it out of nothing. And as the scientist wonders, where in the world did all this come from? God says it came from nothing. I created it. 
God created it by his word. Six times in creation, it says, God said, let there be light. God said, let there be this. He created it and he spoke it into existence. It's almost like when Michael Jr. was here and we had him as our guest. He's like, if God speaks, does it make a bang? You know, does God speak and does it make a bang? I bet if God speaks, it makes a bang and creation happens. God created all things is what the Bible says. In John chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. He's created both the invisible and the visible. Years ago, if you were to say to people, do you believe in protons, electrons, and neutrons? They'd be like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. I don't even know what you're talking about. They'd say, if I can't see him, I don't believe in him. Even though they couldn't see them, they were still real. And scientists have discovered protons, neutrons, electrons, that's very real. It's very real. And even though we can't see them with our naked eye and we can't understand it, it's very real. And science says there's a greater world to this than what you can see. The first uh, Russian cosmonaut that went into outer space, he went out there and said, I can't see God. Matter of fact, they don't even know that he really said that. They think that Khrushchev put those words in his mouth, that he was really a believer in God, and he didn't say it, but Khrushchev was trying to shut down religion in his country, so he said that that astronaut, that cosmonaut said it. But I love what that one Baptist preacher in Dallas, Texas said. He said, well, I don't know if he could see God looking out his spaceship, but you tell him to get outside his spaceship and take his helmet off, he'll see God. I like that. (laughs) God created all things. Visible and invisible. That's what the word of God tells us. God created Adam and Eve, and they were highly developed to be in relationship with each other. They were not created in a subhuman form. The Bible says they dialogued with God. They were in relationship, that God created them. The Bible tells us that God created time. In 2 Timothy 1.9, it talks about the grace that we have in Jesus Christ, that before the beginning of time, God had grace in mind. And God created time. He's the creator of time. And if he's the creator of time, then he owns time. And if he owns time and we serve him, we ought to be good stewards of our time. The Bible tells us that the Son of God and the Holy Spirit play a part in creation. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the word of God. And in John 1, verses 1 and 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word. That's talking about Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So we know Jesus was a part of creation. We know that the Holy Spirit was part of creation because in Genesis 1, 2, it says, The Spirit of God was hovering over the earth. We know that God is distinct from creation, yet God is always involved in his creation. Creation is dependent upon God. And I'm going to use some big words here for just a moment. I like to keep things simple. I like to make it so that kids can understand. But there's a big word that says God is transcendent. And that means that he's greater than his creation. He's so much higher and greater. He's so far above his creation. That's what we see from the word of God. But the Bible also says that he's imminent. What does that mean? It means that he remains involved. He's very much involved. And the God of this universe that's so great, he's so much bigger, the gap is so big, we can't even fathom the gap, is still involved in your life. Now think about this for just a moment. When you follow Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God dwells within you. The Spirit of God that created this earth dwells within you. 
This Holy Spirit leads and guides you and breaks in on your day and says, do that with that person. Take care of that. Do that. I want you to join that. Be involved in that. Think about that. That is involvement. It's incredible that our God is so amazing and yet so involved. The Bible says that God created the universe to show his glory. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. One glance at the sun shows us he's incredible. The heavens declare his glory. One glance at your thumb or your fingerprint. Go ahead, take a look at your thumb for just a moment. Look at that thing. You have a thumbprint that's unique unlike anyone else on this planet. No one else has the same thumbprint as you. God has made a masterpiece. You could hold your thumb up like, I am a masterpiece. Like an artwork, you are there. God has created you to show forth his glory. The fingerprint shows the detail. The universe shows how amazing he is. The universe God created was very good. We know that. We know that when God made creation, he didn't go, "Ah, that's a bunch of bad stuff. He said, it's really good. It's good. And when he made mankind, he said, it's very good. And with all that, we're faced with the choice. Did the artist, creator, God make this, or did something else? Where did we come from? And everyone has to admit this. Whether they believe in evolution or whether they are Darwinism, whatever they believe, or creation, they have to believe something acted upon whatever was here or not here to create this. We can't figure it out. We don't know where we came from. But the Bible says we have a creator God, and that's what we believe. But the evolutionist says, I don't know. And when pressed, they come up with things like this. When Ben Stein interviewed Richard Dawkins, he asked him about intelligent design, and is it possible with this design and the complexity of life, is it possible? How did we get here? And this is what Dawkins said. He said, well, it could have come about in the following way. It could be that uh, at some earlier time, somewhere in the universe, a civilization evolved, probably by some kind of Darwinian means to a very, very high level of technology, and designed a form of life that they seeded onto perhaps this planet. Okay, so if you have a choice, you have to either believe creator God or alien being. Okay, because he's saying some aliens came and put some seeds here and the seeds have grown. And I'm just telling you what, it makes a lot more sense to me to say creator God than alien creature. And I would rather say hallelujah than nanu nanu. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's all I'm saying. All right. Now, there are some arguments. There are some arguments. There's a cosmological argument that looks at the cosmos and says there must be a cause. It's like if you walked into a room and you saw a ball rolling across the room, you'd say, who kicked the ball? How'd the ball get? Did it fall off the shelf? How did it get going? Where'd it come from? You would know. And so here's the thing of the argument of cosmological argument. It says every effect has a cause. Everything that begins has a cause. Everything that changes has a cause. Everything that is finite has a cause. Everything that is limited has a cause. Okay? So this would be our logic. The universe has a beginning. Anything that has a beginning must have been caused by something else. Therefore, the universe must have a cause. This cause must be eternal and uncaused, or two would have been caused, and then we're back to where we started. The cause is God. That's a cosmological argument for God. There's the teleological argument that says this design that's here, 
Somebody had to have created it. If you own a watch, you would look at your watch and you wouldn't say that it just randomly appeared, that there had to be a watchmaker that made that watch. You would say that. And they would say the same thing about the complexity of our earth. It would say that human artifacts like watches are products of intelligent design. Our universe and world resemble human artifacts. Therefore, the universe is the product of intelligent design, but the universe is complex and giant in comparison to human artifacts. Therefore, there is a powerful and vastly intelligent designer who created the universe. There's one more argument, the argument of values. The argument of values, say this, there is an objective, absolute moral law. Every law has a law giver. Therefore, there is an objective, absolute lawgiver. The objective, absolute lawgiver is God. There are arguments on our side. There are arguments here. And I'm asking you as a member, as a person in this church, study to show yourself approved that you can understand the word of God and have an argument. You can be able to defend the faith that you have. But I will say this. The artist is under attack. The artist is under attack. Creation is under attack. And it's a reason because the world does not want to live by the things of God. And I will tell you this, that there is a spiritual attack. The Bible says the God of this world has blinded their heart and minds so they can't receive things. And we need to pray and enter into the spiritual warfare as well. We need to understand and be able to have the argument, but we need to understand the spiritual argument and battle that's going on. This week, it was just jumped off the pages to me as I read our soap devotional. And as I was reading this this last week, and it was talking about Jesus being resurrected from the dead and walking with the disciples. And the Bible says that Jesus opened their minds to understand, and then they understood. They grabbed it. And when they said, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us when he was talking? We felt something. We knew it. We could feel feel it. We could just feel that it was God, but we just didn't know. But when God opened their minds to understand it, what they felt all of a sudden became reality, and the Spirit of God woke them up. You have an obligation to live this life with the knowledge of God, to be able to talk about the things of God and be able to defend your faith. You have an obligation to live in such a way that the presence of God is on your life and there that your friends can say, I feel something around you. I feel good around you and I don't understand it. And then you have an obligation to enter into the spiritual battle to say, God, open their hearts and minds so they can know the things of God. Open their hearts and minds so they can know the things of God and receive you as Lord and Savior, creator, artist, and God. So Lord, I just pray for our church that we would do that. We would do that. We would defend our faith. We would understand it. We'd investigate. And we would know that we know that you're a God that has created everything. We don't understand if it was six literal days. It might have been. It might have been an era. It might have been a gap theory. It might have been. We don't understand all of that. But we do know this for certain. God created it. God created it. And I pray, God, that we'd be bold in saying that. Yes, I believe in a creator God. I believe in that. There is evidence that supports this. And I believe in a creator God rather than aliens. I believe in a creator God rather than gas and goo mixed and we evolve from that. I believe in a God that loves us and gives us a plan and purpose and meaning. And so God, I pray that we'd live that out and that we'd live it out in boldness so the world could know that there's a God that wants to be in relationship with them, a God that loves them so much that he sent his son to die for them 
that they could have eternal life by believing in the price that was paid. Thank you, God. You are the creator. You are God. You are the artist. And we stand in awe of you. Thank you. Thank you for being involved in our lives. Thank you, God, for loving us that much. It's incredible. We are amazed at that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.